Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. My name is Greg Clark. I'm the lead pastor here, and today is a really good day, especially because I get to play with swords, which is always really fun. How many people saw that I was sitting here? Oh, good, good. I was hoping somebody would see it. This is a guitar stand, and it works perfectly for displaying swords. So just a little, you know, for your own help at home. Uh, So anyhow, this is, I just love swords. This was made uh, by my good friend Rob, and he gave this to me. Uh, They moved back down south, and as they moved, he gave this to me, and I'm just so excited about having this fantastic sword. So if you ever want to see it, I can even practice some of my swings, and we'll just, we'll have lots of fun. It'll be good. Anyhow, um, I love watching, I love swords. Like, I just love swords, blades of any kind. It's fantastic. I don't have a lot of them, Uh, but uh, I love also watching people make swords. The blacksmithing of, of swords and knives and that kind of stuff is just awesome. And, uh, and there's this show uh, that's on the History Channel. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's called Forged in Fire. Is that going to stay there? Just don't let your kids run up here, <laughs> okay? Because it's, it's a bit sharp. But there's, the, there's this show on the History Channel called Forged in Fire, where they have these contestants come and make knives and swords, and it's just amazing. These bladesmiths uh, take these hunks of steel. Sometimes they just like, one of the challenges, sometimes they'll just have a, a car. They'll have a car sitting there and take the steel from this car and make it into a sword, which is crazy, right? But they take these chunks of steel, uh, they heat them up until they're, they're glowing red, um, they put them into hydraulic presses, they bang them with big manly hammers, uh, they grind them, chop them, reef on them, um, plunge them into, uh, once it's all done, they plunge them into this oil, which um, does this quenching of the blade, it tempers the blade, making it strong and flexible and resilient. Uh, resiliency is built into these blades. It's built into these blades from the pressure, from the banging, from the chopping, from the reefing, from the quenching, from the tempering. The resiliency is built into these blades. And if the, if the bladesmiths fail to properly stress the blades, uh, either too much or too little, the blades become brittle and they, and they crack and they just don't work. Resiliency comes from the proper stressing of the steel. It's amazing what these people can do with steel. It's a beautiful thing. It's, 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 it's like art, and it's also like science. It's this beautiful, beautiful thing. In the competition, the blades go through a series of trials that test the resiliency of the blade. In the strength test, the, the blade is chopped and slashed and pounded and stabbed into things like ice blocks and metal oil barrels and suits of armor. It's, it's crazy. And in the end, the blade that was the most resilient, the one that was able to bend but not break, the one that was able to keep its edge, its sharpness, the one that was able to smash but not dent, the one that was able to chop but not crack, the blade that is the most resilient after these trials is all done is the winner. Resiliency wins the day every time. And the resiliency for these blades comes through the pressing and the banging and the chopping and the reefing and the quenching and the tempering. It comes through the difficult stuff that the bladesmith takes it through. Resiliency is a big topic nowadays. 
There's two very smart psychiatrists. I don't, I don't believe they're, they're uh, Christians, but they're very brilliant. Uh, one is out of Yale. He's a professor at Yale, and the other one is a professor at the My- Mount Sinai School. Uh, and they wrote a book together called Resilience, the Science of Mastering Life's Greatest Challenges. And while they come from a secular perspective, their work is quite eye-opening. Doctors Southwick and Charney list 10 resiliency factors. If you want to know more about this, I'm only going to talk about four of them today. If you want to know more about this, you can come talk to me later to find out what those 10 resiliency factors are. But the four that caught my eye are these four. Factor number four is religious faith anchoring. They ask this question, where is my ultimate hope? Factor number five is support embracing. Am I accepting the support of others? Factor number six is role models. Do I have an inspiring circle of role models? And lastly, factor number 10 is purpose. Is my life clearly and passionately on purpose? Uh, The reason these four resiliency factors caught my attention is because they have to do with the, the subject matter that we're talking about today, which is why community. We're in the middle of our why series. All fall long, we're going to be asking the question why about a lot of the things that we do. And today we're looking at why community. Why is community so important? Now, maybe you already know this, but our vision statement is this. The church's vision statement is that we exist to know the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known. We've set up four different priorities that help us to accomplish this vision statement. And one of those priorities is around the area of community. And this is what it says. We are committed to bringing Christ's love to individual and community relationships. We contend for healthy and intentional connections that build community. Now, that's a pretty good priority, I think. Community is super important to us. It's one of only four. We only have four priorities, and one of them is community. So it's a pretty big deal. But why community? I want to give you three reasons why community is so important. And we're going to look at this like a three-ringed target. Because, I don't know, throwing hatchets or knives or something at a target is a fantastic idea, right? So we're going to look at it like a three-ringed target. On the outer ring, we have resiliency. On the secondary ring, we have purpose. And in the center, we have image. So we're going to start off here by looking at resiliency, which is what we started our day off talking about. This is the most visible space. When the going gets tough and the trials come, when the hard things of life come at us, how do we respond? Are we the type of people that will bend but not break? Are we the kind of the people that can face things head on without falling away? And going back to Southwick and Charney, we see four of their resiliency factors. I'm just going to read them one more time. The four resiliency factors are religious faith anchoring, support embracing, role models, and purpose. And out of these four resiliency factors, or all four, sorry, all four of these resiliency, resiliency factors are focused in on community. The first three in particular will help us to clarify the first ring of our target. Because together, we place our hope in Jesus Christ. That's the faith anchoring piece. Where is our hope? Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And we do that together. We gather together. We connect with one another to anchor our faith on Jesus Christ. 
Together we support and encourage each other. That's the support embracing thing. We, we stand shoulder to shoulder, even when there's a six-foot break. We stand together in the middle of this. We support one another. And lastly, we, together we inspire one another, and we spur each other on. That's the, the role models piece. We inspire each other, and we spur each other on. In just these first three resiliency factors, we can see the reason why we push so much for community. And these are not just secular scientific factors. These guys, Southwick and Charney, found that these are important for resiliency, but it's, they didn't come up with this idea out of nothing. This is a very old idea. The idea that community is important is a very old idea. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author there says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I love how the author of Hebrews says this. He says, look around you. Look around you. Look, look around at all the people that have done this before. Look at all the people that you are currently doing this with. Even maybe look at the people that are going to follow in your footsteps. Since we are surrounded by such a great, enormous cloud of witnesses, right in the middle of this community, right in the middle of this gigantic group of people, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He's our hope. We do this together in community. And then there's this passage in Ecclesiastes, which even if you don't go to church, you may have heard this before, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, here's, here's what is written there. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Just simple, simple, simple practical stuff here that we actually support one another. We are stronger when we are together, when we're standing side by side, when we are in this together. And of course, one of my favorites from Proverbs, which reflects back on the resiliency of the sword illustration, is this. Proverbs chapter 27. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to a brother or sister in Christ is the gift of sharpening, even if it doesn't feel so good at the time. In fact, I was just sitting with our Board of Elders this last week. We have a monthly Board of Elders meeting, and this last week we were together, and, uh, and we actually walked through some conflict. You will be happy to know, though this might be a surprise, that we do not just have yes men and yes women on our Board of Elders. We have people that come from different walks of life with different ideas and different thoughts and different ways of reasoning things. And when we come together, oftentimes... When we first come together, we all bring different ideas and different perspectives and different thoughts to the table. And sometimes we have to grapple with those things and we have, there's some conflict that's there. And that, that sharpening happens at the table as we challenge each other and encourage each other and, and push into what God is calling us to. But I have seen time and time and time again but by, that by the end of the meeting, we've come to a singular point, a singular vision Probably one that none of us thought of before we got there. But we allow God to use us to sharpen one another. We allow conflict to work its job. Conflict is a great gift. 
And if handled well, it can lead us to greater resiliency. It can lead us to deeper friendships. It can lead us to a sharper purpose and focus. We're not talking about conflict that leads to offense. None of us come into the meetings yelling at each other. None of us come into the meetings hating on each other. That's a different thing altogether. What we're talking about here is is conflict that happens when the humble family of Jesus comes together, loves one another, and honors each other. That kind of conflict, that kind of conflict leads to deeper bonds between friends. So in the first ring of our target, we have resiliency. We see this need for community because we need a place to anchor ourselves together as we fix our eyes on Jesus. We support and encourage one another in community, and we sharpen and inspire each other in community. Without community, we cannot have these first three factors of resiliency. Let's move on. As we move inwards in this target, we look at the next ring and the fourth factor from Southwick and Charney, which is purpose. Is my life clearly and passionately on purpose? This is still a resiliency factor, but it goes way deeper than just some of those surfacey resiliency factors. Our purpose is closer and deeper to our core. It's closer to helping us to understand our great need for community. Purpose speaks to part of the way we were created. When you and I became Christians, we did not do so on a solitary basis. Most likely you came to Christ with the help of others. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody invited you to church or they sat down and opened the Bible up with you. There was likely somebody else involved in your coming to Christ. We here in the West idolize individuality and speak of coming to Christ in a purely personal, individualistic way. But in reality, a personal relationship with Jesus is anything but individualistic. We came to Jesus as a part of a greater story, which includes friends and family. And not only that, but the moment we give our lives to Jesus, we enter into a much larger story, a much larger family, the family of God. And the family of God is vast. If you look back in history to all those who have stepped into the family of God, and if you look today at all those today that are in the family of God, the number of people is is in the billions. And as we stepped into this family, we stepped into this larger story of purpose. We joined the family business, as it were. Scripture attests that we are part of the family of God. If you read in Romans chapter 8, this is what Paul says there. He says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And when we came into the family of God, we were brought into the presence of God. We are not illegitimate children. We are not children that are left on our own latchkey kids. But we actually are brought into God's presence. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. There Paul says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We came into the family of God, and then we were brought into the presence of God. Do you guys know that we are in the presence of God? Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing. 
You are not an illegitimate son. You are not an illegitimate daughter. You are not a latchkey kid. You are in the presence of God in His very throne room. There we go. Going on, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22 says, In Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? God lives in you. He's building you into a place where He can live. And God has given you a purpose. In 1 Peter chapter 2, listen to these words because this describes, if you, are, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this describes you. You are a chosen people. I just want to pause for a second. Recognize how community-oriented these words are. Not that you are a chosen person, but that you're a chosen people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The purpose shows up here as well. You are this, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We could go on and on and on about this because the Bible is full of, of family and us being in God's presence and us having a purpose. Jesus has brought you into his family. We are in the very presence of God. He is building us into his people and giving us a new purpose. And all of this is riddled with community. All of this is riddled with community. Side by side. We are the family of God, and everything in this process is community-minded. See, we carry our new selves, our new position in Christ, our new authority, our new purpose. We carry all of that together. We were created to have purpose within the community of God's people. Our purpose is not individualistic. We may have different roles, and we might have different callings and different things that we do within the family, but our purpose finds its fulfillment within the community of the family of God. Purpose helps us to understand our need for community by beginning to look at how we were created, to be a part of the family of God, created with purpose, which is lived out in community. And that's the second ring of our target. So the first ring, again, is resiliency. Our resilience is anchored upon community. The second ring is purpose. Our purpose is only truly lived out when we're in community. And now the final ring of our target, the center ring. We're going to look at the core of our ring, which is image. Now, you may have heard this before. Uh, If you've been here for very long, I've preached on this before. But you know that our God is one God in three persons. God is one God, and he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which we describe as the Trinity. Now, oftentimes we see the Trinity depicted as a triangle with the Father on top and the Son on one bottom and the Holy Spirit on the other bottom. But there's another similar way of understanding the Trinity that emphasizes uh, the, the mutuality of love and honor that the three persons of the Trinity have for each other. And it's called perichoresis. It's a Greek term meaning rotation or, or going around in a circle like a merry-go-round. It can also be described as a circle dance. The term came to describe the Trinity in a way that understood that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit don't hold superiority over each other. They don't do that within their relationship. 
The Father honors the Son, and the Son honors the the Father, and the Spirit honors the Father, and the Father honors the Spirit. And they all live in this circle-dance relationship of mutual honor and love. It's a beautiful, beautiful community. The Trinity is a beautiful, beautiful community of honor and love. And this circle dance, this perichoresis, has existed for all of time. Outside of our time, outside of all of our understanding, in all of eternity, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relationship, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit community has always existed. Can you imagine this perfect relationship of love and honor existing in all of eternity? Not really, right? We can't fully comprehend that. We can't fully understand it. But we begin, we begin to get a glimpse of it when our time begins. At the beginning of our time, which is not the beginning of God's time. God existed before we existed. But in the beginning of our time, we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you know this story, you know that God created light and the waters and the land and animals and all kinds of stuff. But again, realize, this is not God as we normally think of this old man in the heavens with the white beard. This is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together creating. Out of their community of love and honor, they begin to create things. They begin to create things together. It's an amazing, amazing picture. And then on the sixth day, on the sixth day, something peculiar happens. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Then God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now, God hasn't used these words before. I mean, the, the Bible is not very old at this point. There's only 26 verses so far. But in all of those 26 verses, God hasn't said, let us make birds in our image or anything like that. This is the first time God says, in our image. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this circle dance of love and honor in this community, they say, let us make man in our image. I don't know how the conversation went. Maybe the Son says to the Father, hey, let's make some birds, and let's give them some beautiful feathers, and let's make them run into windows and stuff. That would be really fun. Or the Spirit said to the Son, let's, let's make cute little hedgehogs, but give them spikes. That'd be awesome. Or maybe the Father says to the Spirit, let's make dogs and make them super loyal, but just so people don't get too big of a head, let's make some cats and, and make them cranky. I don't know how it went down. But as the, the, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as they come together to create all these things, all of a sudden they say, ah, let's make this one in our image. Let's make this man and this woman in our image. Turn to the person next to you and just look at them for a moment. Just look at them for a moment and then say, oh, you're made in the image of God. You at home do that too. I think you guys said a little bit too much. There was more there, wasn't there? That was good. That was so cool. It's so cool. It's so cool that we're made in the image of God. It's such a weird thing. 
It's such a weird thing. But wait, there's more. In the Garden of Eden, man and woman enjoyed relationship with God, walking and talking with God in the Garden. God wanted to hang out with the people that he made in his image. And of course he did. Of course he did. I mean, you and I experience this on a, such a small little level. But when we have children, and we're like, look at that little baby. That baby looks like us. I remember looking at Gavin when he was born, and I'm like, man, I'm glad he looks like his mom. That's a really good thing. And then he got tall like me, which is fantastic. But he looks a lot like me, but he's got a good chin. I've got such a weak chin, but he's got, a, he's got his grandfather's chin. It's like, it's like a manly chin. It's fantastic. It's awesome. But I want to spend time with my kids. I made them, right? They, they look like me. I mean, sometimes they act like me, which is sometimes sad, sometimes really great. But I made them. I want to hang out with them. God wanted to hang out with the people that he made in his image. And so he did in the Garden of Eden. He hung out with Adam and Eve, and they talked in the garden, and they, they just hung out together. God made us to enjoy something of this perichoretic relationship that he experiences in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this mutual love and honor community. He made us to experience some of that. Now, if you don't really believe that, look at how Jesus prays for us. Look at how Jesus prays for us. In John chapter 17, Jesus says this. He's speaking to his, his heavenly Father. Isn't this a weird thing? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist together in all of eternity, and the Son comes down to be on earth. And you, can, you know why he prays all the time, right? Because he, for all eternity, he's just been able to look to his side and say, hey, what's going on? Like, just talking to his Father. And so when he's on earth, he's praying all the time. And, but Jesus prays for us. Here's a prayer he prays for us in John chapter 17. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. And that, he's talking about the people right in front of him. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's all of us. So Jesus prays for all of us. And he says this, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. He's describing this perichoresis, right? The idea of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in this community of love and honor. He's describing this. Then he says, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He goes on. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. Now he's changed it, right? Instead of you in me and me in you, he says, I in them and you in me. He includes everybody into this beautiful circle dance of community, of love and honor, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved... Look, look at this. It's so good. This is such a good passage. Have loved them even as you have loved me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Being made in the image of God is not just so that we will look like Jesus. Being made in the image of God includes us being invited into the circle dance of the Trinity because of the work of Jesus Christ. That Jesus invites us into this. He invites us into this. 
Now, the Father loves us like He loves Jesus. We were meant to experience this community deeper than we currently experience it. We were meant to experience the, the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit more deeply than we experience it right now. We were made to be in the presence of God, to experience the mutual love and honor that the Trinity has for one another, to be in community with each other and with God. So back to our original question, why community? Why is community so important? Well, we started off looking at resiliency, that outward ring. Our resilience is based on being anchored together in our hope of Jesus Christ in community. We looked at the the second ring of, of purpose. Our purpose is only truly lived out when we do so within the community of God. And now we've looked at the center ring, the most important and the found, most foundational ring. Why community? Because we are made in the image of God. The God who is community in his very being. We are invited into that community to experience that together, together as God's children. The core of the answer to why community comes down to an invitation an invitation from Jesus to wholly experience the presence of the heavenly, our Heavenly Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus prays for us to come into the community of the Trinity. We've been invited, and a way has been made for us by Jesus Christ to be in community with each other and with God. You were made for this. You were made for this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Not just know about him. I've read lots of books about lots of different people. I know Wayne Gretzky, but I don't really know him, right? Do you know Jesus? Really know him? Have you received Jesus into your life to to be your friend, to be your forgiver, to be your leader? You see, it's only through the sacrifice of Jesus that we can enter into community with the Trinity, Our Heavenly Father loves, loves, loves us. And so he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to make a way for us to be in relationship with him. It hurts the heart of our Heavenly Father so much to be outside of relationship that he was willing to to send his only Son, Jesus Christ, to make a way for us. Do you want to know Jesus? If you've never made Jesus your friend, if you've never invited him into your life and given your life over to him, It's simple, it's simple, it's simple. Just turn your heart to Jesus. Scripture says that if you you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You enter into the family of God. And furthermore, you are excitedly welcomed into the family of God. Scripture says that the angels celebrate whenever anybody gives their life to Jesus. It's so amazing. So if you haven't done that before, I'm just going to ask everybody just to close your eyes for a moment right now. You at home, close your eyes for just a moment. Simple, simple, simple. If you want to know Jesus, just have a conversation with him right now in your heart. You can say something like, Jesus, you are Lord. And I believed that God raised you from the dead. Come into my life and be my friend, my forgiver, and my leader.
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So if you prayed a prayer like that today, even if you're at home and you prayed a prayer like that today for the first time to, to become a friend of Jesus, I would encourage you to reach out to us um, send us a, 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 a text or an email or come chat with me after the service or whatever. We want to know because you've been welcomed in the family of God and we want to celebrate with you. We want to say, hey, welcome to the family. I want to close the service off with a little bit of a challenge here. I, I feel like, and, and maybe you didn't do this, maybe it was just me, but I think that as a group, we've sort of done this. I think we've allowed COVID to steal some community from us, to steal some togetherness from us. I'm thankful for the ability of people to, I'm thankful that you guys at home can watch this service. I think it's fantastic, whether you're watching it right now or, or later this week. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the ability to connect with people on Facebook. I'm thankful for Zoom and, and FaceTime and all the other ways that we can connect virtually. But those things are no substitute for face-to-face -face community. Back in January, we launched my son, Gavin. He went to YWAM. He was supposed to come back in June. But due to COVID and some other things, he didn't come home. It, it was pretty devastating for us when he wasn't able to come home. It was pretty devastating for him as well. He's only been away from us in his whole life for like two or three weeks at a time. So now he's been gone. We're going on nine months that I haven't touched my son. And we've, we've Zoomed. We've FaceTimed, we've texted back and forth, we've done all kinds of fun stuff and, and connected, but I have not touched my son in nine months. We miss him. We miss him. And so, fun fact, on Friday, Farrell and I are flying to, to Hawaii to see Gavin. And it's not a surprise, so if he's watching this, it's fine, we'll see you in a couple days. But it's so exciting to be able to see him because face-to-face -face community cannot be replaced by a computer screen. <laughs> you can't hug a computer screen. I mean, you could, but it's just it's not the same, right? And when I see Gavin on Friday, I'm going to tackle him. This is going to be good. He's, I, don't know, I don't think we're going to see him at the airport because we're, we're going to see him maybe on the base, but I'm going to tackle him. It's going to be good. My challenge to you folks is this. Get back into face-to-face -face community. Get a small group going where you can meet together and pray together and live life together. Come back to church. If you've been waiting, if you've been watching online, I'm so glad you're joining us online, but maybe come back. Maybe come back. There's seats. There's open seats here. There's open seats for you. Get your youth back out for youth group. Call up your friends and have a hot dog roast in the backyard before it snows. Oh, goodness gracious, winter is coming. So get out there and enjoy the outside. Let's get our community going again, because, because community is part of who we are. And if you don't know how to do that, if you really don't know how to get community going again, come talk to me, come talk to Pastor Amy, Pastor Nate, we'd love to talk to you more about that. Tomorrow night, if you like really don't know how to get community going again, Alpha starts tomorrow night. It's like roundtable community, it's going to be fantastic. Come join us for Alpha tomorrow night, it's going to be fantastic. Let's get community going again. Okay, why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing this closing song, and then I'm going to come up and give a, a benediction. So again, today's going to be a little different. I'm going to pray a benediction over you right now. And, those, and then for those of you that are in the service, 
we've got a video we're going to show that we can't show online. So those of you that are online, you just get the benediction. That's it. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are just so good. You're so good. And we receive your love right now. We just receive your love. Thank you for your love, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love. And Jesus, you've made us co-heirs. You've, you've brought us into the presence of the Father by sacrificing your life. And so we give you praise for that, Jesus. Thank you for sacrificing your life for us. We receive that act of love. We receive that act of love today. And Holy Spirit, you fill us to overflowing with the presence of God. We receive that love internally even now. Receive that internal love. May you be honored and glorified, God, as your people gather together. And may you, we just, we thank you that you meet with us. We thank you that you meet with us and that you welcome us into your family. So church, as you go out this week, may you be filled overflowing with the love of your heavenly father. May you have your eyes fixed on Jesus and be filled overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And everywhere you go, would you represent your heavenly father well? So we love you, God. We thank you. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.